Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Secret Cabinet. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Secret Cabinet. I'm your humble translator, Travis Dow. And today's a little different because the creator of the show, Der Budla, was on the road and also a little under the weather. In fact, he was in no lesser place than Oxford. And it could have all been so great because... The plan was to be at the very spot where J.R.L. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis sat together over lukewarm beer and spoke about their current works in the Oxford pub Eagle and Child. And Abudla bought himself a little beer, a portion of fish and chips, and even a place to sit. But just as he was about to begin, the recording Lady Gaga came bursting from the speakers and thus died his original plan. Not just because it would kind of infringe upon the ambiance, but also because he might get in trouble because of copyright law. And so de Budla did what the authors themselves did when they didn't find a place to sit in The Eagle and Child, namely go across the street to the Lamb and Flag. And so de Budla also made a pilgrimage to the other side of the street, and that's where he actually did the recording, and the beer was even better. So pilgerte ich auch dahin und da sitze ich jetzt und das Bier ist auch besser. Hier saßen also Clive Staples Lewis und So this is where Clive Staples Lewis and John Ronald Royal Tolkien sat together for hours. I wonder what they talked about. But after all, we do know some of the things they discussed. For one, Tolkien led Lewis, who had become an atheist, back into the lap of the church. That might be a surprise to some, since Lewis's lion Aslan is much more a Christ figure than any characters of Tolkien. Nevertheless, the author of the Narnia novels, Lewis, was in his youth an atheist. However, then a pantheist, and finally a theist, meaning uh, he accepted some sort of uh, creator god. And after a late night discussion with Tolkien, 1931, Lewis declared himself once again a Christian. Although despite Tolkien being a staunch Catholic, Lewis stayed loyal to the brand of his ancestors, the Anglicans. And those of you who doubt Tolkien's convictions, take a look at the character Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings. In the fight with the Balrog, which does remind strongly of a devil figure, 
Gandalf sacrifices himself, falls into the netherworld, only to be resurrected again. That, that reminds us of someone. Tolkien and Lewis, by the way, had discovered each other in 1926, when Tolkien had just become a professor in a reader's circle. The so-called Kolbitar, in which the members read Icelandic sagas in the original language, and quoted. I mean, the two were definitely nerds, before the term even existed. Now, their relationship didn't always run smoothly, because uh, Tolkien's wife, Edith, liked to kind of get between things, since she was apparently against this men's friendship, and it didn't help that Lewis didn't want to become a Catholic, I guess. Nevertheless, when Lewis died, Tolkien said that he feels like a tree to which someone had taken an axe to his roots. And talking of trees, also in The Lord of the Rings, he gave his friend a memorial in which he eternalized his friend by making the Ents in the way that they kind of spoke very slowly and with a rough voice. And both men loved trees. And in Oxford, there is a pretty old tree, which is supposed to be Tolkien's original inspiration for the Ents. And speaking of the environment, Tolkien had a soft spot for it, even if he did own cars. And also, just like Agatha Christie, Tolkien drove a 1932 Morris Cole, which he named after the first letters of the license plate, Joe, or the old Joe, because eventually he got a new model. And no matter how great Tolkien was as an author, he was apparently pretty bad as a driver. For instance, he supposedly liked to say, charge them and they will scatter, as a sort of battle cry, before speeding through the tiny alleyways of Oxford, irregardless of collateral damage. On the one and only visit to his brother, he not only managed to dent the car twice, but also hit a stone wall, upon which his wife supposedly refused to get in a car with him for months. But luckily, World War II came around because Tolkien no longer received the rations for his gasoline. That that makes it all that makes it all good. I mean, it did save lives probably. So, but also around this time, he was really had a keen eye for the uh, damage caused by pollution and all the um, exhaust of cars and such the the industry of the time, and didn't really want to be a part of destroying the environment anymore. Anyways. But when he did still drive cars, C.S. Lewis was sometimes an unflinching passenger. But uh, Lewis had this strange habit of sometimes forgetting his hat in the car. Once, it was stuck under the passenger seat for weeks. And in fact, C.S. Lewis's hat was kind of a running gag over years. Once, Lewis had lost his hat at a picnic. And after searching for it, completely gave up hope of ever seeing it again. When, months later, in a stroll through the same park, he saw a strange lump, like a felt lump in the bushes, which a few mice had made into their nest. Somehow he seemed to recognize his old hat in that lump. And, in fact, it was his hat. And despite the aforementioned mice nest, he was seen wearing that hat not too long after. Several times. And did y'all know, by the way, that Tolkien never foresaw a trilogy out of his work? I mean, he wanted to publish the whole thing as one single work. But uh, eventually he had to give in to his publisher, who wanted to split the book into three parts to minimize the risk in case it failed. But, uh, yeah. But, but obviously that was uh, kind of unfounded. It uh, was a success, to say the least. 
And part of the reason for its success was actually because it never appeared in the US until as a paperback pocketbook. The first publications in, in the UK were much more expensive hardcovers, but because the price had now gone down, he made it available to a much wider readership, obviously. And the publisher, Wolheim, saw a loophole in the contract and published it in the beginning of the 60s as a paperback. That was against Tolkien's wishes, he protested, and eventually, Wolheim did have to stop the uh, printing. But just because of the whole back and forth and you know, small scandal, the book really gained momentum by becoming more well-known just because of that story. Printings with different publishers became a crazy success. It took a little longer for them to find a publisher in Germany. But that had the benefit of giving Tolkien the opportunity to be more hands-on with this translation. He had much more time to learn from previous translations. And so with the Danish and German translations specifically, Tolkien could again have his own creative ideas. And so the elves in the German version of Tolkien's work are not the usual German word elven, but uh, rather elben. Because Tolkien was a linguist and he um, saw that the natural progression from old uh, Germanic or Middle Germanic uh, language to the modern German should be like that. In Old German, there was this mythological creature called the Alben, and so he changed them to Elben instead of Elven from Elves. And he was a professor from Old English and Old Scandinavian languages, which he was a professor from 1925 to 1959. But not always. Apparently, sometimes he came to parties dressed as a polar bear or as an axe-swinging Anglo-Saxon. Now, this is about as long as De Budla's voice lasted, and he was on the road and still had to edit all this and upload it. And he's packing his stuff together and, hey, wait a minute, whose old felt hat is this under the bench? Anyone? The Secret Cabinet is a member of the Dark Myths Collective, as well as the Agora Podcast Network. The podcast of the month for Agora is Dominic Perry's History of Egypt podcast, which I do highly recommend. Otherwise, come see my other projects, Africa, A History, or The History of Germany, and a few others. All of those, all of those links you can find on podcastnik.com. That's podcastnik.com. And if you really want to help the show out, The Secret Cabinet, please rate us and give us a review on iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes, in the end, all of our 80% of our downloads come from there. So we really appreciate it. From Deborah, I'm the translator Travis Dow. Thanks for listening. Thank you.